So this is the Sunday, is the first Sunday in Lent, as we've mentioned, which is this 40-day journey, not counting Sundays, toward Easter Sunday. So Lent is traditionally a time in the church that's a little bit more somber, a little bit more reflective, and that's not just to be depressing for no purpose. It's so that we can have this journey through the ministry of Jesus, so that we can grow to be more like Jesus and better in ministry to the world like him. And so for our Lenten journey this year, we're going to be journeying through a sermon series called People Jesus Met on the Way to the Cross. It's a way to experience the ministry of Jesus as we reflect on our own lives in this season of Lent by looking at the stories of the people that Jesus encountered. Seeing how Jesus ministered to them and how we might learn from those experiences ourselves. But our Lenten journey each year really begins with Ash Wednesday. So this week I had four Ash Wednesday experiences. An Ash Wednesday chapel that was actually on a Tuesday with Neighborhood Ministries. Two worship services here at the church, and then a morning at Munn Park imposing ashes on anyone in the community who wanted them. Some of you stopped by, including Ron Bell, who of course, as Ron does, had to draw this beautiful illustration for us of the day. And isn't it great? Isn't it great? And so I loved all of these different Ash Wednesday experiences. I mean, they were all very different, that's for sure. We traditionally impose ashes in the sign of a cross as a sign of confession. A sign that we are reflecting on those things that get us out of alignment with God during the season. But when I think back to Tuesday, as I explained to the neighborhood ministry kids over and over and over again... The cross also reminds us of how much God loves us. It's like confession and healing in that moment are two sides of the same coin. And so through all these different experiences, I had the opportunity to impose ashes on lots of different folks with lots of different stories. People in our church whose stories I knew very well. People who I had walked through losses with or who I had celebrated triumphs with. People who I knew it was their first Ash Wednesday. Wiggly, squiggly neighborhood ministry kids who told me they had no idea what Ash Wednesday was, but by the end were trying to beg me to get two stickers instead of one for their Ash Wednesday crosses. People who walked us to us in the park... We didn't know who they were or why they wanted ashes, but we just thanked them for being there. Lots of different people, lots of different stories, many different ages and races and life experiences, a nice eclectic mix of folks. It sounds like the kingdom to me. And so I thought it was so appropriate to bring up this beautiful and varied Ash Wednesday group of experiences because it finds itself continued in our scripture reading today. And the very first person that Jesus encountered that we're going to discuss in this series, the man with leprosy, a skin disease. 
I'll be reading from the Gospel of Matthew today, beginning in chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Now, when Jesus had come down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. A man with a skin disease came, kneeled before him, and said, Lord, if you want, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched him, saying, I do want to become clean. Instantly, his skin disease was cleansed. Jesus said to him, don't say anything to anyone. Instead, go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded. This will be a testimony to them. So it can be tempting for us to look at these four verses and just go, cool, Jesus healed someone. Jesus heals a lot of people. That's cool. So let's just move on. Because they're just four verses. But Matthew, the author of this gospel, is trying to create this movement with a lot of action and keep things exciting. So we do keep moving on in the gospel. But instead, this morning, let's take a second to stop and unpack these four little verses here because There is so much more to this than meets the eye. The first thing we see is that Jesus had to come down from the mountain. So, of course, we glance at that and we don't see anything. We jump over it because it doesn't mean anything to us. It doesn't mean anything to us unless you are Jewish. But you see, Matthew's audience, they were Jewish, and Matthew was trying to make a point here. Matthew was trying to create some parallel imagery between Jesus and between Moses. In Exodus, Moses came down from a mountain and proceeds to perform ten miracles. So in Matthew 8, Jesus also comes down from a mountain and proceeds to perform miracles. I want you to guess, how many miracles do you think he did? Ten, yes, yes, you're listening, ten miracles. So Matthew is setting up this gospel to make a direct parallel of Jesus and the well-known story of Moses in Exodus, a critical story of the Jewish faith. But why is all of this so important to our understanding of this passage? Well, we have Jesus in these big and important series of miracles But we see the characteristic of who he is performing this miracle upon is so important. We see the very first miracle, the very first person he encounters is a man with leprosy. Or as the CEBIUs called it, a skin disease. Because that is what leprosy is. But it's important for us to remember in our day and age, leprosy was more than just being sick. This man was seen as absolutely unclean. He was absolutely ostracized from society. He couldn't even live in the main part of town. He couldn't even go to the temple for worship, all because he was considered unclean. Riley shared this morning, this man would have had to gone through life announcing to everyone, I am unclean, I have leprosy, please stay away from me. Can you imagine what that would be like, having to go through life announcing your most embarrassing thing that's wrong with you and saying, I'm a recovering alcoholic, please stay away from me. I had to declare bankruptcy once, please stay away from me. I just got out of a bad relationship, please stay away from me. Can you imagine? 
And yet, and yet, when Jesus comes down from the mountain like Moses, this, this is his first encounter. The marginalized, the ostracized, the one whose society had cast aside, the one who needed compassion and justice. Jesus reached out and touched him. Of course, this man was unclean. It was absolutely a huge cultural no-no for Jesus to reach out and touch him. And yet, that is exactly what he did to heal him. And that is crazy. We know we can see from other healings in Matthew's gospel that Jesus didn't even have to be physically present to heal someone. He didn't have to. To touch him. He intentionally broke this cultural barrier to touch this man to heal him. And so, in this, Jesus tells him, as it says right here in the stained glass image, become clean. Or, as it says in this image I'm using, it's using Old English, be thou made clean. And if we reflect on that, think about what Jesus is saying to this man. You don't have to be unclean and on the edges of society anymore. Please come into the fold. You are welcome here. You are healed and you are made whole. And so then, of course, Jesus goes on to perform the next of all these series of miracles many of which with people who were on the edges, on the margins, people who were just unexpected to have interacted with Jesus in the Jewish society of that day. And so all of this, in all of this, we are reminded of Jesus' care for the least of these in our society today. Matthew is setting this all up to remind us that in Jesus, we find a God who is drawing the circle wider. In Jesus, we see a God that is looking for the downcast, the downtrodden, the marginalized, the overlooked, and looking to welcome them into the table of God's love. And that, of course, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. But we have to ask ourselves, this is a beautiful story, it's a powerful reminder, but what do we do about it? What is our response to this radical, circle-widening love of God we have experienced in our midst? How do we make this real and alive in our own communities and in our own world? Well, later in Matthew, Jesus himself sums up all of his teachings and all of his miracles very well in a way that helps us with some next steps. In Matthew 22, 36-39. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You must love your neighbor as you love yourself. So this is actually the passage that the bishop preached on as his installation service, if you were able to be here And honestly, that message is still impacting me personally and my ministry to this day. Because in this passage, Jesus is really showing us how we can love our neighbor as ourselves. He's reminding us how critically important that is to us and this call to the Christian life. 
Because as Bishop Berlin reminded us in that sermon, this command is to both love your neighbor as you love yourself. You can't completely leave loving yourself out of the equation, so we're actually going to start at that one. So this is a powerful image in our scripture passage today that reminds us that the love of God is for all people, including you, including me, including all of us. There are many of us that might have our different reasons why we feel downtrodden, on the margins, ostracized, or just too different, just like we have messed up too much for God's love. But this passage reminds us that Jesus, in his first miracle coming down from the mountain in Matthew, crossed all the cultural barriers to reach out to the downtrodden, the hurting The addicted, the one with mental health struggles, the one struggling to make ends meet, the different. The person just like you and me. And so if you find yourself in that place today, may you remember just very simply, just very clearly, you are loved. You are loved. That God so loved this world that he sent Jesus to be and to show love to you and to this world. And so may we all, starting from this place of belovedness, find that capacity then to love our neighbors. Because God did not call us just to love ourselves but to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. And it is from that place of accepting God's love and God's light into our lives that we are called to let it flow and able to let it flow to those, our neighbors, around us. And in this season of Lent, of reflection, of contemplation, of commitment, of prayer, what a better time for us to look at how can we love our neighbors better? Our marginalized neighbors, our neighbors who might look different than us, might speak different languages than us, might live different than us. Seeking to live our lives open to the ways that we can help others around us, seeking to love and help all of our neighbors, that is the call of the Christian life. Just as Jesus reached out to the man with leprosy, Jesus calls us to reach out to those in need. And so luckily, I am proud of this church. It was very easy for me to give you all specific next steps for how can I do this, Pastor Nikki? What are, what are things that I can do? Well, I've got three really, really wonderful opportunities for you all within the ministries and missions of this church. So one is this very week. So each and every uh, Wednesday, first Wednesday of the month during the school year, we do something called Kids Pack. So it's an opportunity to pack meals for kids who are experiencing hunger. That way they have something to eat on the weekend. So we do that the first Wednesday of every month at 4 p.m. in our C building. So we provide over 1,000 meals to kids in need in our community through that. Yeah. So 
If you happen to have the opportunity, if you really want to try it out, it's a great opportunity. That also is a time that that room looks like the kingdom as well. Because there's always people of all sorts of different ages. I always see kids helping their parents. Our students from neighborhood ministries come over a lot. Yes, yes. And our friends from Noah's Landing come a lot and help too. So we're thankful for that. So again, it's a wonderful opportunity. If you, your heart is touched by this sermon, or this sermon and you're wondering, I want to learn more about what life is really like for people on the margins. I don't know where to start. Well, a wonderful place to start is our cost of poverty experience that we'll be holding in this room after worship on Sunday, March 26th. So we're going to provide lunch to you. It's at no cost. More information's in your bulletin. It's a chance to walk through the life of what it's like to be in poverty, what it's like to have to make those really tough decisions, and then have some debriefing time afterwards to talk about what can we do, what can we help, what are some next steps. And finally, at the end of this month, I'd like to invite you to the Nehemiah Action with Polk County Peace. So that is an organization that is made up of different churches all across our community who come together to advocate for specific community issues. So our issues this year are affordable housing, seeking to improve the quality and safety of rental housing in our communities, and criminal justice. And so we'll be gathering at 6.30 p.m. at Resurrection Catholic Church on March 28th, which is a Tuesday night. So we invite you to be there. And why is it important for you to be there? Well, what we'll be doing is inviting our city officials of Polk County, of Lakeland, of Winter Haven, of any other cities that will show up to ask them for their help on these issues. And obviously, the more people that they can see supporting these issues, the more likely they are to say yes in our um, you know, journey to ask them to support these issues. So... This is why these are tangible ways that we can support our neighbors as a church. So on Thursday, I was driving with my three-year-old Wyatt down to a meeting we were having here at the church for Polk County Peace. And so he asked me, Mom, why are we going, you know, in more three-year-old speak. He said, Mom, why are we going back to church? And I said, we're going to a meeting to learn how to help our neighbors. He's in the why phase. So he said, why? I said, well, because that's what Jesus told us to do. And so then being a three-year-old, he starts pointing to all the houses on the way to church and starts going, are those our neighbors? Yes. Are those our neighbors? Yes. Are those our neighbors? Yes. Because the truth is, I don't know any of the folks that live in, I know some of them, but not most of them that live in the homes between my house and the church. I don't know their stories. I don't know their struggles. And yet, they are our neighbors. And now he's made a habit of it. As we get closer to the church on the way to preschool, each and every morning, he makes sure to point out homes and apartments and tell me, people live there. And it's a good reminder to me that, yes, our neighbors live there. And God has called us to love our neighbors. So may we all... As beautiful and imperfect people who are very much beloved by God. Make that commitment in whatever way we can to love who God loved. May we look for the people who have leprosy and reach out and touch them. Hoping to bring hope. Hoping to bring healing. May we all find ways 
to love our neighbors, whoever they are, together. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you for this powerful story in Matthew. We thank you for the radical love of God, for the powerful ministry of Jesus, which extends to all people. May we remember today that we, we are all beloved by you. And may we seek to share and extend that love to others, all for the sake of this world, which you so love. Amen. So friends, as we prepare to go from this place, may you hear the benediction. May you remember in Jesus Christ, that is a reminder of how beloved you are by God. May that be something that touches your heart this day in a way that you share that love with others, with a world that desperately, desperately needs to hear it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.